Spreaders, and welcome to The Spread. I'm your host, Kaz. I just want to say a quick thank you for still being here, even after my pretty long hiatus of three weeks. Yes, guys, it's been three weeks. But three weeks of so much happening. We just recently hosted The Spread Live. Yes, that was really amazing. If you guys want to see pictures of what happened there, please go over to our Instagram page at The Spread Pod. I mean, three weeks. What kind of a person does that? I feel like I should be punished. And I'm accepting flogging as a form of punishment, if anybody is asking. But thank you so much for staying tuned. As always, I love and appreciate you so much, for real. And thanks for leaving reviews for us on Apple Podcasts and all the other platforms that you listen to us. If you haven't done so already, please do. Just go on there, give us five stars. You know we deserve it. Write a short review, a long review, whatever it is, however you feel about us. Help to keep us on top so that we can keep paying our bills. You guys writing reviews really helps us. So I'm asking kindly, please do that for us. This week, we will be doing things a little differently. It's a two in one episode just to complete and wrap up things from Sex Down South in Atlanta. So we start off with sex educator Andy and he shares with us his story of how he accidentally became transgender and has been grateful for this natural transition. He talks about his work in the sex toy industry for 14 years and all things sex positivity. I bumped into Andy on random occasions during Sex Down South but we had our biggest connection during one of the more interactive classes where I let him spank my ass in a game of truth or dare. Andy is a real sweetheart and what a pleasure it was to have him be a part of the Spread Podcast. We wrap up the episode with some quick advice from Dr. Jess to one of our listeners. I had a chance to attend one of her classes during Sex Down South and was completely drawn to her charismatic nature and the way she engages her audience. She had to be a part of this show. And as a sexologist, I thought it would be nice to involve her in our Your Questions Answered segment. So we did a quick across the, well, across the world phone call. Yeah, pretty much. I'm in Kenya, she's in Canada, and we were able to catch her in between her busy schedule. Needless to say, this episode has a lot to offer, so please keep listening till the end. Remember to follow us on all of our social platforms at The Spread Pod on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And if you're in Nairobi, remember to come through to The Alchemist every Sunday for the Nairobi Flea Market and get your shopping on. We have so much for you to buy, so many different vendors, lots of food, lots of amazing drinks, cocktails, non-alcoholic, whatever your preference is. And of course, like amazing musical performances, different acts every Sunday. Follow at The Nairobi flea market for more details one more quick thing we'd love for you to do before we begin this episode we are interested to know more about you and your sex education so in the description box we have attached a link with a very simple questionnaire please fill it out first so that we can also keep giving you the right kind of content based on your reviews we really appreciate it Thank you, and thank you, Spreaders, for being so lovely. Now, on to our episode. I want to show you places that I won't let nobody else see. I'll let you go inside. All right, ladies and gentlemen, in the studio today, which is my hotel room in Atlanta at Sex Down South. My studio is always at different places. So I always have to say, today my studio is at the Hilton Hotel at the Sex Down South Conference. Yay! And the crowd goes wild. Um, my guest host for today is Andy. Andy, what's your surname? Uh, Duran. Andy Duran. 
tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, sure. Who you are and why you're here. Why are you here? Why are you in my studio? <laughs> Who was you? Uh, <laughs> How'd you get here? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was invited. No. <laughs> um, so I'm Andy Duran, um, also known as Educator Andy um, on social media. And I uh, am a sex educator uh, through Good Vibrations and Babeland. Um, which what is Good Vibrations? Oh, thank you. Um, so Good Vibrations uh, is one of the first... Um, Female-oriented uh, adult stores in the United States. Uh, we started in 1977, and um, at the time there weren't a lot of options for women to find a safe place to shop. Um, and so uh, our founder uh, wanted to create uh, an environment where women can learn about orgasm, about pleasure, about their bodies, um, and access products at the same time all at once. Um, and uh, so our company has been around for over 40 years. We've, you know, have grown into serving, obviously, a large variety of people, uh, various genders, backgrounds, uh, but we always keep a, a focus on creating a safe space for people to access resources. So. How did you get into that? Well, no pun. <laughs> <laughs> With plenty of lube. No. <laughs> uh, I started working at Four Good Vibrations at a very early age. I was 20 years old. This you still look 20. I know. I get that a lot. It's a baby <laughs> face. Yeah. <laughs> um, I... Uh, yeah, I'm 34, so I've been with them for 14 years. And um, before working with Good Vibrations, I was doing sex education, um, but in a different level. I was working with uh, nonprofits that were doing HIV and STI awareness work, um, specifically amongst uh, queer youth. Mm -hmm. um, so that was uh, my primary focus. And then when I got a little older I knew I wanted to also spread that information to folks that were over 18 um, and I wanted to find other ways to reach the public and make sure that everyone knew uh, some of the best practices for safety and information and Good Vibrations was the place to go if you wanted to work in the sex industry in some way not as a performer um, you know you went to the Good Vibe stores and you you asked for a job and I did and I was lucky enough to be hired and at that time it was a co-op uh, so that was what, a, what does that mean uh, a cooperative uh, worker owner cooperative so the folks that worked there were also the owners all Got it. collectively um, so as a 20 year old I was an owner in this company mm -hmm. um, which was amazing and it helped nurture me and kind of grow uh, my my own sexual kind of education but also just my awareness to uh, the diversity that sexuality kind of expands to beyond just how it expanded to me personally um, I, you know you deal with customers coming in every day from all walks of life from all places of the world and they share their their story and what they need and what they're looking for and suddenly as a 20 year old I'm just receiving this daily and i think that was the best education i could have ever asked for yeah they they always say the the best way to learn is on the job right yeah. um that's how i'm doing it yeah um and i forgot to ask this at the beginning but like what are your pronouns oh thank you um i use he him his thank you okay and um how do you identify i identify as a uh, queer trans California bear cub. <laughs> ah, I like that bear cub. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, earlier today at the um, Sex Down South conference, you had a talk called Sex Positivity, What It Is and What It Isn't. Okay. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, so lots of people use the phrase sex positive, but... I think that when you don't have the context behind it, it's almost like putting, uh, going to a grocery store and seeing something saying all natural. You don't really question it. You're just like, oh, yeah. this says it's all natural. Great. W all natural soda, all natural chips. But you're yes. not really sure. It's, it's what, what they use. Right. What, they, what makes it all natural. Yeah. Um, and so when the same thing happens in sex positivity. People all kind of... Um, within the community or in media, especially now in the last couple of years, I've seen sex positivity used as, like as a buzzword mm. in cosmopolitan in, you know, glamor on Buzzfeed and, and, you know, without having that historical context about what it means, um, I think it can become watered down and I think it can be, that can be 
damaging to the community that's uh, trying to serve folks with that yeah. term. So what is sex positivity? My podcast is a sex positive podcast. Seems like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're here. Yeah. Um, so what it is, is um, let me see the best way I can kind of explain this because it's really easy to find some ways to explain what it's not. But what it is, is ultimately it's a philosophy. It's a um, it's a service. It's it's looking at the way the world is now and has been and saying you know what are the things that are stopping people f or you know what blocks are in the way from people getting access to information to resources uh, to be their authentic sexual selves whatever that is so whether that's somebody wanting to be monogamous and heterosexual and uh, you know white picket fence whatever like that that they can still be sex positive um, as well as somebody who is swinging from the chandelier every Friday and Saturday and Sunday and Monday um, in and every day that ends with why every day ending in with why exactly <laughs> that, that, that sex positivity isn't about the sex that you're necessarily having or not having uh, sex positivity is about how we are all denied a lot of the information, the access, the tools to really explore and be our sexual selves. Um, and so uh, what would it look like and what would it take for us to create that? You know, if I want to create a sex positive space, I have to figure out what it takes to make everybody feel welcome in that room, regardless of where the sex lies for them, whether they've had only bad sexual experiences whether they're a virgin, they've had no sexual experiences, whether they um, are in a poly triad and have sex every day, you know, it's what can I do to make that space safe for all of them to explore and understand what sex means for them? That's sex positivity. Okay, so what is sex positivity not? So what sex positivity is not is it's not a cool kids club. Mm. That's something that I see happening a lot is kind of, becoming code for any type of alternative sexuality so like oh uh, if you were really sex positive you wouldn't be monogamous mm. or if you were really sex positive um you wouldn't feel threatened with me flirting with your boyfriend mm -hmm. you know and these kind of things that um can sometimes cross consent lines yes can sometimes cross boundaries you know, uh, I think a lot of women experience this with when people, especially women sex educators, when they tell men what they do mm -hmm. and then get inappropriate comments back. And then the response is, well, I thought you worked in sex or I thought exactly. you talk about sex. And mm -hmm. this idea that that if you're sex positive, then you have no negative feelings about sex. Yes, and I that's not what, what it is. So one of the things that I experienced, um, I come from a very, very conservative um, place. Um, not necessarily the home that I grew up in, but just my, my surroundings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, um, my country. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when I started doing this podcast, um, one of the things that I experienced more of was sexual harassment mm -hmm. and physical harassment. So which also just keeps me in the house. I'm, I'm already an introvert. I don't like to, I'm, I'm, I only come out during the sex conferences. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But like <laughs> otherwise, I'm, I actually prefer to stay home and watch a Netflix movie or whatever. But I noticed that when I started going, like if I go out for a drink or if it's somebody's bread, whatever, um, then people always come and they feel the need to wrap themselves around me to touch. I have a friend, a friend who I've had a relationship with for a very long time, a man. And uh, never once has he ever even said anything like sexually advancing towards me. Mm -hmm. But as soon as the podcast came out and knowing that I speak openly about sex, when I saw him, the first thing he did was grab my vagina. Oh, my God. We were at a club. He just grabbed my vagina. Wow. That was I was I was just like, was his name Donald Trump? No, I'm just kidding. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely Donald Trump in a black body. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, I do. And he had no remorse for it whatsoever. Because he couldn't understand awful. it. I was like, I don't understand your, you know? Yeah. And I've gotten a lot of that. Like, people grabbing my ass. People feeling the need to rub up close to me. People just, like, uh, like uh, thinking that my, s my sex educator work is sex work. Mm -hmm. But 
uh, even sex work you need to pay for that yeah so yeah and there needs to be consent for that right either way so yes. it's just i think it's just i don't know why uh why people feel so entitled mm-hmm. with um with specifically women's bodies there's a lot of reasons why that that's a whole <laughs> episode i'm sure yeah but i think that there's this idea that when somebody sees that you own your sexuality they want to take it from you you know it's this idea of if you didn't have one they didn't know about it then they don't feel invited to it or or frightened of it but somehow you owning it on your podcast makes people feel like they're invited to be a part of it and that's not okay that's not sex positive yeah you know so i think that there's there's so many things that people think you know that sex positivity means that it's just it's not a free for all. It's not a. Um, I sometimes I hear it used in coercive ways, like uh, if you were really sex positive. I think I said this already. If you were really sex positive, you would open our relationship or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's this inconsequential kind of idea of sex, and I don't think that that exists. It's kind of like um, the colorblind theory, right? Like that uh, people think that you know, oh, if I just don't see race then and if we're all just the human race then we can live in this utopia but it doesn't work that way because the world sees race yeah even if you don't have you seen <laughs> that have you seen that um it's a it's a college humor video do you watch any of those college oh, humor of course YouTube videos? absolutely yeah. um and i can't i don't know the i don't know their names sure but the the blonde girl okay and she was talking and they were having a conversation and she was just like um and they were talking about like oh you know it's because um it was they were talking about the black guy and, and they were like oh you know it's because he's black and then um she was like oh I don't see color. I did. Oh, she was like, "Oh, he's black." <laughs> I don't see color. <laughs> and then and they were like, "No, you got to see color." I mean, and then they ended up talking about like, "Oh, but you know, but he's older than or like she's older than you." Oh, I don't see age. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and it's basically the whole video is like this girl saying how she doesn't see anything. She uh-huh. sees nothing. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, "No. Like we can be any age. You can be young and old and this. it's like, <laughs> "Oh, it was so it's a really stupid video. I'm going to put the link in the description so you guys can but watch I it." But I like that because it's poking fun at that I idea of exactly yeah, and like how exactly. dumb of an idea that is like um you know sorry if anyone's feeling insulted by that but i was dumb once and thought that too and even as a person of color um you know and so um one of the things that one of the reasons why i link that to sex positivity is that a lot of people want to create this utopia that like let's fix it by just being it you can't do that you have to really look at what's going on and the experiences of the people around you. I can't just say, I want the world to be sex positive, so I'm just going to pretend that it is and walk around and, and, and exist as it is because there are going to be people that are still affected by sex negativity, by uh, trauma, by shame, by stigma, um, and they're still experiencing that, and, and it would be dismissive to just try to tell people to be in this place that this bubble is just to be positive about sex that's not sex positivity yeah you have to meet people where they are and where we are right now is complex and fucked up yeah complex is is a really big word um so you know and the reason i asked you about uh, pronouns and identification is it okay if we talk a little bit about that yeah absolutely so a lot of people at back home and i'm pretty sure around the world because we surround ourselves with um, sex educators in the work that we do so we're always going for seminars and we're always surrounding ourselves with people who are in the industry mm-hmm. but there's a, there's the rest of the world which is the majority right. <laughs> who don't understand um pronouns and who mm-hmm. don't understand uh, gender identity or um uh, sexual um Wait, so there's there's gen there's, so there's gender there's gender identity and then there's like sexual orientation sexual orientation yeah yeah do you think we can talk a little bit about sure that? of course yeah okay so pronouns let's start with let's start there okay so pronouns are basically you know how you identify somebody and how you talk uh, about them how you refer to them so you know for example when I started I said I use he him his pronouns that's that's just because. I think that so many people make assumptions. And so even if you're not trans, which I am trans, but even if you're not trans, I think it's always a good practice to ask people that because um, it's kind of reminding them that everything that's been set up around us has been set up before us. It's prescribed. 
and I want to see you in an unprescribed way. Who are you? How do you want me to see you? And I think that's the most connective and beautiful way to start any type of dynamic or conversation with somebody. I remember the first time somebody asked me my pronouns, and at the time, I was insulted because I thought it meant I was doing something wrong, like I was confusing or ambiguous, and that that was a problem. Okay. Um, and so is it the I, way you were asked, or was it just no, your it was just my interpretation of the question? Well, I had been ambiguous for so long. Okay. Um, in my early youth that um, that I, I was pretty used to being asked if I was a boy or a girl and that was really difficult for me so having being asked my pronouns was kind of like it felt like the same question but it wasn't yeah and it wasn't until she was like you can go by any pronoun you want like it's it's really just how you want me to identify you and when she said that afterwards that I realized that it wasn't about you know how I presented it was about how I feel yeah and then I just it was amazing it was this freeing moment and I just think that we should give that to each other you know like Mm. just what does that mean for you like you know like do you prefer to be called she like when I call you she does that make your you know your eyebrows kind of frump up and do you feel like that's not really fitting would you prefer something else do you prefer nothing at all and I just use your name you know and just say you know me and and Dave went to this thing and never have to say he and I, you know, so yeah. finding that. I've struggled with um, the pronoun thing a lot because uh, somebody who used to work for me back home, I didn't, well, actually just didn't identify with she and her mm-hmm. pronouns. So I really struggled with, uh, for example, I always say, yes, ma'am, or mm. yes, sir, all mm-hmm. the time, just out of habit. And yeah. it has nothing to do with um, with your I- with your gender identity. Sure. I just say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. It's just like a thing that comes from the top of my head. Yeah? Absolutely. So I always used to say, yes, ma'am, to her. And uh, you see there, mm-hmm. I <laughs> yeah. it's really hard. Yeah. To them. Yeah. Um, and they always used to tell me, uh, please don't say that. And uh, they always used to say, don't use she, don't use her. Mm-hmm. But it it's such a struggle because yeah. because also I think one thing is that uh, when you s- when you no longer use the binary pronouns, mm-hmm. sometimes you have to understand that people will struggle with it and oh, that you have course. and you have to give them time. Absolutely. So sometimes the they and the them mm-hmm. is a really hard one to switch to from. I think a, a him and a her. Mm-hmm. I think. I have an, me personally, I have a little bit of an easier time with they and them um, because I've, uh, if you're, if you're, you know, as a queer person in high school that wasn't ready to tell people I was queer, you know, if somebody asked you, like, if you were going on a date or what you're doing or whatever, and you're like, oh, I'm hanging out with someone, they are, you would try to avoid yeah, yeah, yeah. using the pronoun, That was right? always easy you know, when you were hiding. Right. When I you're hiding, that, yeah. it's super easy. Talking to your mom, <laughs> yeah. anybody, and you're yeah. like, they, they're, they're coming to get exactly. me. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, they, and they always assumed, like, the parents or the friends always assumed, oh, who is he? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, they're, they're. Exactly. So so they had been ingrained a little while already as as a singular pronoun. Um, But, you know, whenever we introduce new language into our lexicon, it's it's tricky. I had a problem or or a difficulty with uh, uh, like Z and here, like the new actual new words spelled differently because I those weren't something that I learned, you know, growing up. But you know, the more, just like a language or anything else, it becomes easier with practice. And um, so, you know, I just, I think it's, it's, it's important, it's necessary, um, but it, you know, but I think it's also valuable to, to say it takes time and, and to stumble and show that. I love that you, and I hope you don't edit this out, but I love that you used the wrong pronoun for your friend and then corrected yeah, yourself. Yeah. I think that the idea that we're going to be perfect at this, you know, for everybody is is tricky you know i think you know i don't aim for perfection i aim for progress yeah you know mm-hmm. so like i, I want to be better than i was yesterday i want to be better than i was 10 minutes ago and i want to be better for the people in, that i engage with um and so aiming to be better is is easier than aiming to be like always on it do you know what i mean yeah what about um gender identity maybe we can touch on that a little bit Sounds sexy. Maybe we can touch on gender identity. Touch all over gender. Yeah. <laughs> Say my name. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think gender is so 
it's so beautiful in when when it's free and when you just let people be. I'm thinking about people. I'm thinking about like Prince, you know. Yeah. Like Prince was a beautiful man, right? And nothing about him would like fit mainstream masculinity, you know. Like everybody immediately questions like his sexuality, his orientation, and things like that because of the way he dressed, the way he moved, the sounds he made, all of it. Um, and so I, I, it's not even for queer people even. It's not even just for trans people. You know, like gender is a playground for all of us. We get to explore, express who we are, how we identify. And we shouldn't feel limited. You know, like it's li- gender is beyond pronouns. It's beyond clothing. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's who you are. You know, it's if you were on a stranded island you know, alone, naked, you know, who are you? Like, how yeah. do you feel? What represents you? When you, you know? don't have a m- million other people telling you w- what to be. Right. How to dress, how to look, how to act, you know. So I think that it's important to to question gender, to question things that we have always been told, like boys don't cry yeah. or, uh, you know, like girls wear pink girls wear pink yeah i had a moment actually it was a very sweet moment in my life well i'm divorced but when i was married my ex-wife lived in um, you're only 34 i know (laughs) (laughs) my ex-wife lived in the midwest and uh we were visiting her family my in-laws well we weren't legally married at the time so i called them my outlaws but (laughs) i call i call them outlaws all the time (laughs) i don't have any but you know there's totally (laughs) and um the my nephew the nephew of this family um small boy real sweet he was cold we're at the park he didn't have a jacket nearby and he didn't want to stop playing and his jacket was like by the car and they're playing i don't know catch or something so his sister being a sweetheart was like you can wear my jacket because i have long sleeves on and gives her jacket to him and it's pink jacket and he put it on with no problem you know and then I hear his dad calling from afar, you know, like, take that jacket off, you know, whatever. And it was, like, super heartbreaking. This kid looked up to me, doesn't know I'm trans, just sees me as a man. And he says, can boys wear pink? And I was like, absolutely, boys can wear pink. And he, then he looked at me again and he goes, do you wear pink? Because <laughs> he wanted me to prove it. Yeah. And I was, <laughs> I was like, I don't believe you. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and in that moment, even though I own nothing pink and not for that reason, but just because I just didn't have anything pink in my house, especially because I was stepping away from my feelings of being a girl for so long, I was really put in the spot of like, if boys can wear pink, I can still wear pink. And I don't know. And I was just like, you know what? Yeah, I do wear pink. And I like, realized that i could wear pink again too it was like a beautiful it was this liberating moment for the both of us that i felt like he didn't realize what a powerful little moment i know isn't that great yes (laughs) so you know see this is what they say when they say kids teach you stuff too absolutely you know and in that moment i just felt like less complex than i had been holding myself like i was like i'm just a dude he thinks i'm just a dude dudes can wear pink don't have to really like tie in all of these extra nuances in that moment like i could just own that and push my own boundaries and it was really kind of sweet what's what's your pink situation currently i do have some pink yeah reclaiming pink reclaiming pink absolutely (laughs) because that's all it is yeah you know and brown skin looks great in pink just fyi so like you know we always can rock colors in a a beautiful way Mm -hmm. you've seen janelle monet rock that pink yeah yes (laughs) yes janelle monet if you ever listen to this i love you i want to marry you (laughs) (laughs) i really hope that um okay is it okay if we can talk a little bit about your um trans transition 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 (laughs) the trans and transition (laughs) absolutely although i will say that my experience is pretty unique um so uh so let me start by saying i've never interviewed a trans person oh okay on my podcast um my kenyan listeners are completely new to anything trans world Mm mm-hmm so this is going to be it w- uh, already that we're talking about it is a unique situation. All right. So there we go. Yeah. Please uh, feel free to tell me as much or as little as you want to. So my trans trans experience is a little. Um, I often joke that my transition was non-consensual. I, you know, I grew up as a pretty little girl. 
I was very cute. I was a child model, in fact. So just FYI. I Were was you one of the... Um, what what what's that TV show called where the moms oh like the Mickey Mouse clubs or no, no tiaras and those ones the oh, toddlers and tiaras I had no tiara or <laughs> you know tutu or any of that stuff no I um, no I was a child model for like print ads for brands that don't exist anymore like Esprit and you know yeah. things like that in the eighties um, so um, everything was fine everything seemed alright I mean I definitely knew at that time I had feelings for girls I knew I had feelings for boys too I knew that I wanted to play like boys played and I didn't understand why I couldn't I wanted to be able to have my shirt off didn't understand why I couldn't again all of this kind of like learning the the boundaries of the world and the kind of like dichotomy that was set up at a very early age and not fitting into that um, as fast forward several years and as I aged I as I got closer to puberty I noticed that I was uh, starting to appear more masculine or a little bit more ambiguous. Um, and that was really interesting. Couldn't figure out really why. Just things like, oh, like sprouting some facial hair, you know? Um, but like, again, it aligned with how I felt. So I didn't question it. I just knew that it, I wasn't fitting other people's standards, but I knew that yeah, I didn't mind. I thought I looked cute. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and luckily i wasn't one of those people that was like so feminine identified that i was like oh no this is gonna ruin my prom photo or anything like that like i was rocking like my my masculinity um and i figured that it was because i was queer i figured you know well that must be because i like women maybe this is just the butch in me coming out um but as i continued to get older in my teen years um it kept happening and it just I just kept becoming more and more male looking. And so finally I went to, you know, just ask the doctor like some stuff about it, you know, and, um, and it turns out that I have a hormone condition in which my body is very sensitive to testosterone. And, um, so it, you know, everybody kind of produces a little bit of testosterone on their own, but, um, my body is very receptive to it in a way that kind of, sprouted into like a second puberty for me um Mm -hmm. a lot of it's connected to other things i also have pcos which also Mm -hmm. uh, contributes to facial care and things like that polycystic ovarian syndrome thank you Uh (laughs) got you um so things like that you know assist with it as well um but uh, because it really again kind of aligned with how i walk this earth i just live it you know i kind of i grew up it's like thanks god yeah i grew up in a (laughs) fundamentalist kind of household a fundamentalist christian household and you know though i've struggled a lot with um religion one of the only things that really was comforting about that was remembering that i was made in god's image yeah and so i just felt very like this was intentional like this was you know like this is a gift i get to learn and see the world in a way that people um, in m- multiple ways that other people don't always get to. I get to experience it as a woman. I get to experience it and see how people treat me as a man. I get to, you know, uh, menstruate and experience that while also being in the men's room changing my tampon. You know, like I, yeah. I get to kind of walk this life of seeing the other side of the coin. And, um, and I, I've kind of tried, I've struggled, but I've tried to walk that with pride as much as I can. Okay. But I definitely find it uh, more comfortable to uh, use he, him pronouns and to exist in the world, um, you know, as a masculine bodied person. So I changed my name to Andy and been rocking it ever since. But this is my, this is my birth voice. (laughs) You know, this is my, uh, I don't, I'm not on any hormones. Really? Yeah. This is just how I look. Wow. Yeah, it is a unique yeah. kind of situation. But one of the things I like about that, though, is that, you know, and I also, I also understand the privilege in that. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, I have privilege, you know, because I didn't have to go through the transition that a lot of people have to go through. Yeah. I didn't have to go and struggle to find hormones. I didn't have to, you know, get them on the black market. I didn't, you know, and there's privilege in how people accept me. A lot of people accept folks like me as a, well, you, you didn't choose this. This just happened to you yeah. versus somebody else who may identify, but nobody chooses 
their gender they just come to terms with it just like i did yeah you know so it's even the like even the facial hair has nothing is just that's oh yeah that's just me so I mean the the opposite of this mm-hmm. would be people who are struggling with a similar um condition but don't want to transition. Sure. Absolutely. There are definitely I know I have plenty of friends that also have hormone conditions or PCOS or are intersexed or um and just you know, but really strongly identify with the body that they were um, born into and the gender that was associated with that. So, you know, you see um, there's beautiful, you know, uh, photos of uh, bearded women, you know, that are like rocking their beards and being like, but I'm still a woman. Um, And for a while. Yeah. And femme. And for a while I tried that, not necessarily like femme, because that was not me, but like rocking the the idea of being a woman and having these experiences but it still just didn't feel right it's Mm. not me um and so um you know i definitely feel more like a man who has experienced this you know so but i do love and have so much respect for the women that walk this life because i know that there is a safety that i have in passing that they don't absolutely Thank you for sharing that. Sure, yeah, no worries. What would you, um, if you were to give like a little bit of advice for young people who are um, struggling to live in the body that they were born in mm-hmm. and who want to transition, like what would you say to these people who, you know, you know that pain, mm-hmm. you know that pain that is associated with not being able to be yourself. Yes. That depression that comes with it, that so many people have lived and died because of it yeah and there's young people who are listening to the podcast who um are inspired by what we've just said the conversation we've just had Mm. so maybe there's like a word of advice or like um you know you can do it (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i won't say it gets better because it's already stolen and copywritten but you know and honestly sometimes it doesn't but i think that the thing i can say that feels really really real and that resonates with me is that you matter your existence your your body your minds your spirit everything that you want to share in this world or be seen in this world as the world needs and so if you ever feel like you don't fit in if you ever feel like the world's not made for you or they don't want you in it i mean i'm not gonna lie a lot of people don't but there are so many people that need you. Somebody needs me right now. Somebody needs to hear this. Somebody needs to see me walking my life and to feel inspired and safe enough to go in theirs. I don't know who that person is, but somebody does. So I exist every day for them. Yeah. And I hope that we all find power in that. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, is there anything you want to add? Is there anything that I that you think I may have missed out? I think that it all ties together. You know, when I talk about living your authentic sexual self, it really does tie into what we're talking about, about gender and about everything else and just being who you are, you know, and recognizing that, you know, the world in a lot of ways wants cookie cutter shaped folks. You know, it wants squares to go in square holes and circles to go in circle holes and all of that. And sometimes we are not those shapes. We are the the square pegs. And the round hole. uh Yeah and the misfits yeah and there's nothing wrong with us you know the only problem is the folks that are trying to put us (laughs) in the wrong spot or like force us where we don't belong yeah you know but there's nothing wrong with us we are the right shape oh my gosh thank you yeah no worries thank you so much for coming on the spread podcast absolute pleasure maybe just a quick uh, line or two to let people know where we can find you absolutely so i'm educator andy on all my social media networks um one of the best ways to find me is on twitter uh, so that's educator andy on twitter andy with a y i'm also on instagram uh, and i think i'm making that transition from being a private instagrammer to a, per, uh, to a public one so so actually you can stay private uh, okay because private um, instagram pages um, get more followers oh well then just kidding but you yeah. can still try to follow me there um, <laughs> yeah, yeah you just just yeah just i might let you in ex- ex- <laughs> there you go yeah it's just like it's a private members club exactly yes my <laughs> yeah. instagram is a private members club my twitter is for everyone yeah. so please follow and um, if you are looking for 
safe places to shop, especially if you're in the United States or even if you're not and you want to ship um, to shop online. Goodvibes.com <laughs> and also uh, Babeland.com are two fabulous places to shop from. You're, you're dealing directly with people like me. So, um, so happy shopping. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. For those of you guys who are tuned in, I just want to let you know that I met um, Jess in Atlanta during Sex Down South. I attended one of your talks and then I happened to attend during your second talk. I was I was attending a different one, so I missed it. But everybody at Sex Down South was talking about um, the second talk that you did, which was something to do with blowjobs. <laughs> that's right that's right it was a drive your lover wild session oh and something to do with carrots i don't have the details yeah well the better half actually had to do with the peaches and the cookies so <laughs> mm. it was all about going down on women we did we had the part with the carrots as well but i, I managed to forget about that part <laughs> <laughs> okay um thank you so much for being on the show and um we're live and direct from kenya which is in east africa and we actually um the our canadian audience is um our third largest listenership so I think okay, awesome. <laughs> I think this might be great for a lot of our North American listeners. Maybe you could just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I'm a sexologist and relationship expert, and I primarily work as a speaker. So I travel all around the world. I have not done a speech in Africa, although I was invited to do one in Nigeria. It just hasn't been confirmed yet. But okay. I work primarily with entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and executives and their partners to just to help them have more balanced, healthy, hot, passionate relationships. Wow. That's interesting. Uh, working with exec. So is it like personally or like in a corporate way? So it's both. Uh, I don't work one-on-one -on -one with anybody generally, uh, okay. or I do, but it's quite rare. I'm primarily working with groups. So there are organizations around the world that host self-development sessions and retreats for these entrepreneurs and for the executives and they come oftentimes with their partner to spend some time just investing in their relationships because when it comes to business there's no point in making a ton of money or being very financially successful if you're not fulfilled in life and probably the number one predictor of life fulfillment are your relationships whether that be intimate or with the people closest to you friends siblings family yeah. Okay. Do you ever get called to do sensitization within companies like uh, uh, regarding sexuality or how people approach different people at work? Is that something that you could be into? I have done some work uh, around harassment, for example, in the workplace, um, some work around LGBTQ issues in the workplace, but I primarily, when I'm doing that kind of education, it's in the classroom. So I come from a teaching background. I was a high school teacher. And so now I train the teachers to deliver effective sex ed that is more inclusive and has an anti-oppression lens. Oh, that's beautiful. Do you have an online course for that as well? Or is it something that you have to be physically there for? I have several online courses available. So I have three online courses available right now. One is drive him wild with pleasure. So that's the blowjobs and the carrots you were talking about. So I walk yes. you through every technique under the sun and a model demonstrates on a carrot. Mm -hmm. I have drive her wild, which is the same, only way better because it's for the vulva and the clit. Mm -hmm. And then I have a course with Dr. Reese Malone called Mindful Sex. And this is for those of us who are often feeling too distracted, too tired, not in the mood, not in the moment. Uh, and this is, a, to me, a really exciting course because it's a multi-part course with over you know, 25 audio and video lessons that you work through on your own. Ooh. And those are all available online. Okay. And um, for everyone listening who's interested in taking any of those courses, I will put a link in the description box below. Um, do you do any private consultations regarding that or everything is just like the online course? Mostly it's online courses and in-person group sessions. I don't tend to do much one-on-one -on -one counseling okay. just because I'm, I'm on the road a lot and fly and course. I'm not very reliable <laughs> Understandable. in terms of seeing people regularly. Um, so Jess, what is the reason that you became a sexologist? Like what 
was there like a turning point in your life? Is it something that you've always wanted to do? Like what's the heart behind the work? Well, it's definitely not something I dreamed of from when I was younger. I was a high school teacher and I saw the gaps in the system and I saw the cost of an education system that was not serving our students and in particular not serving students who were otherwise at risk or forced to the margins. And so I decided to go back to school and do research in the field of sexual health education to support teachers. Yeah. Uh, You know, here in Canada where we have 99% of kids going through the school system, this is where we can really meet people. And then I just fell into sexology, into speaking and writing. I've written four books uh, kind of by accident. So my passion really is classroom-based education, and I still volunteer in the classrooms. And then my business is uh, what I do with, with corporations and, and private groups. Oh, for, like how does anybody just like, it wasn't my intention to write a book, but now I have four. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's funny because, well, first of all, let me just clarify, writing these sex books is not actually that hard. It's not like writing a novel mm-hmm. um, or writing a textbook. But what happened was when I graduated, it's not, there were no jobs. It's not as though, you know, oh, I have this PhD in human sexuality and now a school board is going to hire me. There really is no job mm-hmm. with my degree. And so you have to create your own job. And so that's what I did. And, uh, I did a little bit of writing online and that blossomed into writing the books. The publisher saw some of my work and made me an offer. And then I, you know, was doing some news segments locally in Canada and that blossomed into an opportunity to host a reality show down in the States for Playboy TV. And so a lot of this has happened, I don't want to say by accident, but it's been a lot from content development. So I was always writing, always creating content and that put me on the radar of, of you know organizations that could help to bolster my brand of course oh it's beautiful um and you seem extremely busy i was just looking at like the stuff that you've done on your website you seem extremely busy how does this affect your marriage because how long have you been married for now um 12 years I've been with my husband for 17 years and definitely the work affects the marriage uh you know it is a challenge to be on the road a lot and we've made some adjustments over the past year so that he can travel with me a lot more and that's made things uh obviously easier on marriage but also a lot more fun because he's a fun guy to be around yeah Um, one of the challenges I would say for someone in my field doing the work that I do is that it's it's easy to get a little bit desensitized to some of these topics that are very yes. exciting to other people. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, we were just in Mexico last week at a clothing optional resort. Mm-hmm. And there's areas of the resort where people are having sex. So you get to see live sex. And that's really cool. I actually think everybody should partake in that experience of, of seeing real bodies, real people yeah. having genuine sex for Mm -hmm. nothing but their own pleasure Mm -hmm. at some point in your life I think that's a really important thing to observe having said that for me it just becomes like Tuesday morning because you're around it so much so it can be yeah it can definitely detract from my my own interest Mm -hmm. in those type of things that were once exciting Mm -hmm. that makes sense so how do you Especially with with the kind of work that you're doing and and the like you were saying desensitization. How do you how do you then judge like like anything sexuality back into your life into your work into your well, work? It's interesting. You know, we've been together so long that I kind of see these ebbs and flows and just this evolution of what I desire. And I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for him. But right now, because I'm on the road so much, because I'm traveling so much, because I've got so much high adrenaline from being on stage or shooting or, you know, always seeing someplace new, what I really think is stability mm-hmm. and more security and more closeness and intimacy. And it's it's interesting because most people in most relationships, if, if we kind of divide relationships into those two phases of passion when you first meet and then closeness and attachment after you've been together a while. Most people fall into the attachment and closeness phase so that what they really crave is passion. I'm kind of in the opposite camp where I sometimes feel like I have too much passion, too much adrenaline. Mm -hmm. And so I actually need more of the attachment. So it's the opposite of what a lot of other people do. Other people are injecting novelty and taking risks, and that's my everyday. So what I'm really craving with with my partner 
is more predictability and more down. And so I think that really speaks to the fact that that works for me, but what works for me doesn't necessarily work for someone else. And there's no one size fits all approach because each of our situations is so different. Yeah. Um, So more vanilla, kind of? (laughs) Maybe? Um, Yeah, not so much vanilla. Like, I'm not talking about the sex itself. I just mean the ways we invest in the relationship. Okay. Um, Whereas, like, let's say, like, a normal, a, a couple who has a regular job and, you know, lives in one city primarily might try and spice it up by like going away for the weekend, right? Okay. Whereas it's the opposite. I'm like, mm-hmm. I just want to stay in the house. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes <laughs> I, sense. The sex doesn't have to be vanilla. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I would like a familiar environment and just um, some downtime where it isn't something new because I have so much newness yeah. on a daily basis. That makes sense. I was um, watching one of your TED talks that TEDx talks that you did, I think, a, a few years ago. Yes. And you were talking about your take on like monogamy and, and relationships being monogamish. Um, is this something that you experience in your personal life as well? Or um, just being a curious bystander, I'm interested to know um, if non-monogamy is something that you practice in your life. Um, so that's a good question. No, I wouldn't say that we are so we would call it consensually non-monogamous no we would consider ourselves monogamous but if you like drawing from that ted talk Mm. where i use the language of monogamish yes it's basically monogamy 2.0 where there is some opening for looking at other people or flirting with other people and pushing your boundaries in different ways so for example we might go to a sex party but we just play with each other yes or we might go to one of these resorts and there might be like flirtation or there, you know, you might be around other people who are doing exciting things, but we don't have other sexual partners Okay. at this point in our relationship. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it's beautiful that you've been together for so long. I mean, I, it's first, it's like a phenomenal, like in today's day and age relationships that last that yeah. long, it's like, wow, how did you do it? Yeah, <laughs> certainly for people, our age, I, it's it's really rare to meet people who have been together this long. What is our age, Jess? What's our age? I'm 38 years old, and he's 62. No, just kidding. He's 40. <laughs> but I like to tease him. I like to tease him about being old. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So I know you're running out of time, and I don't want to let you go before there's a segment on the podcast where I get each of my co-hosts to answer a question that has been asked by one of um, our followers. So I'm sure. wondering if you can help decipher this um, this question for me. I'm going to read it. It's a tad long, but I'm going to try and be quick about it. So, okay. <laughs> my girlfriend and I have been dating for about six months. When we met, she was dating a lot of people, and I was not and she was exploring being poly. We fell pretty hard for each other, and she decided that she wanted to be monogamous with me, in part because she knew that that's what I wanted, Um, although I was very careful not to push her in that way. We've been monogamous since June, and I left for France to teach for the year, and at the end of September, at the end of September, sorry, I left for France to teach for the year at the end of September. She's a senior in college, and I graduated in 2016. And we decided to do a long-distance relationship. She told me the other day that she doesn't think she can be monogamous with me anymore, but that she's still very much in love with me. This is very challenging for me, as the thought of her dating other people is crushing for me because I'm in a monog because I'm a monogamous human. And she says that she would be ha- she would be too unhappy in her life to be monogamous, and that she would be not denying a part of herself. Originally, she thought being poly was maybe a phase, and because of the way that she loves me, she could be monogamous, but now she's not so sure. We've come to the conclusion that breaking up seems like the only thing to do, but it's so heartbreaking because we're both so in love, and it just seems wrong considering how much we care for each other. I guess my question is about understanding why she feels this way, since I'm a monogamous human, and what to do. Is breaking up our only option, or is there another solution? We did talk about other things, and we couldn't come up with anything else that wouldn't be painful for one of us. Thank you so much. What do you think? Oh, well, I'm so I'm sorry that you know you're going through this heartache on both sides. I would say that I think you've answered your own question, 
because only you can come up with an alternative solution and you haven't yet been able to. And it's not fair to pressure your partner, of course, to become consensually non-monogamous, just as it's not fair to pressure your partner to be monogamous. And it sounds like you both have a really good understanding of who you are and what you want. And you already know the answer to this. You want different things and you are very different people. So it sounds like you may not be able to become compatible because each of you would be giving up something really significant that you see as a part of yourself. So whether you view being monogamous or consensually non-monogamous, sorry, I, I think the language they used was poly, whether you view those, those titles or those identities as intrinsic to your sexuality or not, you self-describe as a monogamous person she self-describes as a non-monogamous person. And so I think it would be very difficult to reconcile those two very different identities. And they're both perfectly valid. And it sounds like you're both approaching each other with the utmost respect for which I commend you. Uh, but at this point, it does sound like it's not going to be a fit, sadly. It does, right? And it, here's... Yeah, and it's sad. You know, of course, a, a, a breakup hurts, and heartache is, it feels like it's never going to end. Um, but sometimes you do have to do things that hurt in order to handle a relationship in the healthiest of ways. And sometimes a breakup is the healthiest resolution to a relationship. So it's not a failure. Uh, it's not even an ending of all types of interactions like you might have a different type of connection and of course you can still love someone you can you can love many people in your life so I'm, I'm really sorry you're going through this but it sounds like you you've figured it out already Ooh, I felt that I felt that because yeah. this is the reality of my last relationship I wanted to be non-monogamous and my partner wanted me to be monogamous but I can understand the pain of course yeah uh, relationships just aren't easy whether you stay together or break up but one thing you have to realize is that this hurts right now to break up but it could hurt even more to, to stay, stay together, together if one of you is, is giving up a part of, of, of your identity to do so that makes even more sense mm -hmm. yeah so yes Jess that's about it thank you so much for being here I know it's been oh, really it's so short and sweet with you and I really awesome. appreciate you taking time out to do this. Um, like, it's really, I'm, I'm very honored to have you be a part of the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. And I'd love to do it again. I'd love to chat with you on my podcast as well. I am looking forward awesome. to it. Have a beautiful day and we will talk soon. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Yeah, I want to show you places that I won't let nobody else see. I wanna hide I don't want nobody else seeing me naked But I risk it for you, I want you to take it Cause I know I found something special So I just wanna lay down my body And just expose myself to you, oh baby So lay down your body and just expose yourself to me too Cause I want your love, will you give me love? Make my dream a reality Secrets with you, cause with you I had no fear. Because my soul is ready and my heart is vacant. I want you to be with me every step I'm taking. Cause I know I found something special. That's why I just wanna lay down my body and just expose myself to you. Oh baby, so lay down your body and just expose yourself to me too. Cause I want your love. Will you give me love? Make my dream a reality.